Now, this morning, we have a very special service for you today, and I am so glad that you're here for it. Um, It's based upon a relationship that a number of us have started over, I think it was two summers ago. We took a team of, of people to Ukraine to serve in some summer camps for some kids that are at risk, uh, kids that are orphans, kids that are refugees from the war with Russia. And uh, we had the privilege of meeting the director of an organization in Ukraine called Serve Now. And her name is Tanya. And Tanya is here today. And I get the privilege of interviewing her. So would you please give a warm, epic welcome to Tanya. So Tanya, welcome back to the stage again, everybody. This is Tanya. Tanya, this is everybody. And we expect that you know all of their names at the end of the service. I know you can. She can do it. So go ahead and have a seat. And um, one of the uh, exciting things about Tanya is that she celebrated a birthday recently. And on October 30th, she celebrated a birthday. And she wasn't home to do that. And so in the first service, we're not going to do it again. But in the first service, we had a cake brought out. We all sang happy birthday to her, gave her some epic gifts. It was kind of fun. So um, we were grateful to celebrate Yeah, it birthday. was very, very special. Yeah. Thank you. So um, would you tell us uh, about your family? So introduce us to your family. I think we should have a picture coming okay, up here. Uh, so. My husband, Andre, and we have uh, two wonderful sons. Alyosha is 16 years old, and Ilusha is 8 years old. So they always involve with us in our ministries. So Alyosha, 16 years old, but he doesn't know that summer can be without summer camps for orphans, for disadvantaged kids, and... So your kids and your husband, you're all very heavily involved in what you guys are doing there through, through Serve Now. So tell us a little bit about Ukraine. So we're going to have a, a map come up on, for where Ukraine is. And for some of our, our church family, like we're not sure where Ukraine is or really much history about that country. So um, tell us a okay, little bit is, about Ukraine. This is the biggest country in Europe with 42 million people right now. It used to be part of Soviet Union time for a long time, and after Soviet Union collapse, uh, it became kind of independent, but not really. We always had uh, Russian leadership in Ukraine, and since 2014, uh, when actually it was started in Ukraine, so we changed the leadership, and most Ukrainians would say we are not Russian anymore. So how long would you say then you've had independence? Uh, as a nation. So I think in the first service we were saying like 14 years. Yes. So, so really think about that. 14 years. We're not talking about 140 years. We're talking 14 years of independence. And so there's so much that they have to do and they're in the process of doing. Um, how's the government going to be run? They're working on that. I understand you're ha- going to have an election next Yeah, we're going to have election next um, May. And those are super exciting because we just went through one and... <laughs> Or are still going through one. Um, I heard a lot about this being yeah, here in yeah, the U.S. Yeah, yeah, elections are great. Um, and, and then there's, there's so much uh, infrastructure that needs to happen in the country as well. So there's a whole lot going on for this really young nation that, that hasn't had an identity of its own. I can just say that uh, above on all this, uh, Ukraine runs in the second place in Europe on human trafficking issues. And we have a huge number of alcoholism. 
Yeah, I think you were saying that when we were there, it was like 45% of uh, Ukrainian families wrestle with alcoholism in their yeah. homes. Someone in, like, in the family, it could be like your husband or father or your brother, he's struggling because of alcoholism. That's huge. So what about Christianity there? Uh, I should go a little bit back and uh, talk that during Soviet Union time, it was only like very, very few Christian churches there. And it mostly was underground churches or hiding churches. And after Soviet Union collapsed, a lot of missionaries, they start come to all our countries, to Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova, and share gospel. So most of our churches are kind of like 15, 20 years old at max. And, but it's really cool because they all kind of have a fire for God, very excited about what God is doing in their lives. And mostly it's a, very Christians in the first generations. So Christianity is beginning to blossom in... Spread in all over Ukraine. Oh, that's, that's so neat. So you have been the director of this organization called Serve Now in Ukraine. And, and Serve Now is an organization that started in the States, but they have uh, branches in different parts of the world. And so you've been leading that uh, for how long? Since 2014. We, uh, our family used to live in Crimea, but since Crimea was occupied by Russia, our family had to move, and we lived not far away from, the, from Kyiv, which is capital of Ukraine, and I get involved in CERNAL. So how did that happen? How, how did you get involved in CERNAL and become the director of CERNAL? Okay, uh, I knew Lars, who is fund, uh, Lars Danberg, who is founder of CERNAL for many years before. You, we used to work together back in Crimea, and uh, after we left Crimea, we kind of stuck what we are going to do now. So it's happened. So Lars uh, approached you at some point and, and your husband and said, uh, love for you to, to lead this organization here. You are the, the leader in Ukraine. And at that time, did you speak English? No, I didn't speak any English at all. I remember how Lars uh, came and shared his vision and he opened his heart uh, and talked about what we would like to see in Ukraine, what kind of changes, what we can do together. And both of us, my husband and me, we were like, wow, we really want to be involved. We really want to do this. You know, when inside, inside of you, yes, 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 yes. But at that, at that time, we didn't speak any English at all. So we have to talk through interpreter. And by the end of this meeting, Lars said, okay, if, you very, if you're really interested in it, this is the last time I use interpreter. Done. You must speak English. So, so here I am. So you began to learn English very quickly. And, uh, you know, as I've talked with Tanya, I think she speaks better English than I do. So <laughs> she's done a very good job with that. Um, what are some of the things in addition to summer camps that Serve Now does? So our mainly project, we do bakery for girls who graduate from the orphanage. We distribute some humanitarian aid. And our biggest event would be next uh, in a month, our Christmas gift distribution. Okay. Um, and then you have a cosmetology school as well? I, yeah. How I could forget yeah. about this. Well, my baldness reminded you yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so you've got these, these organizations, these serving opportunities that you have there. And let me just briefly mention the bakery and the cosmetology school are training grounds to teach young women how to have a skill that can help them in their lives, sustain their lives to keep them from prostitution and human trafficking. And they've seen some amazing results out of that. We're about to walk through some pictures. And Tanya's going to walk us through some pictures and tell us some stories about kids at the camps, some stories about kids that have been a part of the bakery. And uh, I think we have some pictures of the cosmetology school as well. So what's uh, this guy's story? Okay. Uh, His name is Denise. He's 10 years old. He came to one of our camp and he never saw anything except his orphanage. So in the middle of the camp, he came to me and said, Tanya, what's wrong with your children? I grew up in the orphanage. My mom grew up in the orphanage. All my friends grew up in the orphanage. Even our neighbors grew up in the orphanage. What's wrong with your children? He just didn't have a chance to see different life. Gena, who is a teenager, and uh, after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he always had, uh, had some bread in his pocket. Do you know how we found out about this? Every day when we had sports game or any activities outside, and he would run, and all bread come out <laughs> out his pocket. And he had it in there because? Because he just didn't know when his next meal would be. Like, he would live in this type of condition. And next girl, they came to us from the war area. And me and my husband, we actually have been there. You would see war in our days, in my country. You would never believe, but it seems like you are walking with, by, like, with these streets and see all destruction and explosion. And it it's cannot be in our days. But these two girls, they know for sure what kind of weapon gives uh, what kind of sign, uh, sound. We know how to hide in the basement. Their father died in the beginning of the war. Their mom became a handicap. Can you imagine what's different for them to go to a safety place and heard about gospel and experience different life? Uh, Vlad, he came, his father died also two years ago. Uh, his mom is alcoholic, and they live very, very, very poor condition. Our uh, counselor, they supposed to teach them how to use inside toilet, bathroom, how to use shower, because he didn't know any anything of this. Maxim, who came to us from the war area as well, his family literally had to make decisions. Just you have 13 minutes to take your, grab your stuff and run away. And they were able only have like two, three suitcases with them. They moved to most safety place in Ukraine. And they wasn't Christian, but we came to one of local church and said, here we are. We desperately need help, otherwise we just died. So we sent Maxim to one of our camp and church help his parents. And when you spend time with these kids, when you pray together, you would think, oh, they might, might want to pray for new iPhone or new iPad or fancy clothes or something like this. These two girls, uh, next on the picture, we didn't pray about this stuff, but we both pray. God make a miracle in our life. We want to stay with our mom. We don't want to go in the orphanage because right now one of uh, one of them are in the process of taking her 
from alcoholic mom to the orphanage, and another one in the process. She spent four years in the orphanage, and they tried to replace her back with her mom. But we both were praying, God, make a miracle. And when these kids are praying, you literally can feel God's presence. You know for sure he knows what we are asking for. And during camp, we always have a salvation message and share a gospel with them. Some of our team members, they give their testimony and explain what God means for us, why we are Christians, what does it mean to be a Christian. And we ask if you want to come and have a first prayer in your life, you can come to one of our leaders and we will pray together. So this picture was taken right after the prayer. And there is a boy on the left side, uh, Vita. I heard his name, I saw his name uh, on the documents from the orphanage uh, in 2016, and it was for the first time he's supposed to come to one of our camp. And he lives five days in the orphanage, and only two days, for Saturday, Sunday, he spent uh, with his mom. She's such a nice lady, but we live very, very poor condition. She's working like 15 hours on a field, and she's still not able to provide food just for one her child. So we make her send him to the orphanage. And back in 2016, uh, when all his group, all uh, children from his orphanage came to the camp, he didn't show up. And his counselor explained to us, oh, I'm so sorry, but we were on the train station and ready to get on the train to come to camp, but his mom came and said, Vita, there is no way you cannot go to camp. You must stay with me and help walk me in the field. So in 2017, I was specifically looking for this child. I really want him to give a chance to have this experience and heard about God. And so we were looking specifically for him. Everything worked. He came to our camp. And uh, at the camp, we always divide teenagers by small group, and we have Bible study together. And it's happened he'd been in my group, and uh, like he wasn't a Christian, didn't know anything about Christ, never saw a Bible, never touched his book. So everything was kind of new for him. And can you imagine, on the third day of camp, director of his orphanage, she called us, she called us and wanted to talk to Vita and said, I'm so sorry, but your mom was walking in the field and poison snake bit her. And it's really bad. So we took her to emergency room. She's in the hospital right now, but uh, doctors are not uh, sure if she will be alive. Probably not. He just kind of ran away, hiding in the bushes, was crying so badly. It took some time before we found him and spent some time together. And he is such a shy person, but he came in front of all campus and we pray all together. So he led this prayer and mostly his prayer was like, God, if you really exist and if you're really strong, make a miracle. I don't want to lose my mom. So, and he did. It was like a big miracle for all of us. After two days, she became much better. It's, of course, it took some time before she was completely healed. But it's, at that point, it was an answer for him. I'm a God, I'm a strong one, and I do care about you. 
So this summer, he was one of our volunteers who helped to organize all sports games, do all dirty work, move benches around, and he just gets so excited. Our family invited him to spend a week with us. We went to church together, and he's one who shares gospel with his friends right now. You would think, 10 days, does it really make a difference? It does a lot. And it seems like it's only like small puzzle in what God is doing to, to touch even more people, not only these kids who come to camp, but even more people. Like these two boys who came uh, to one of our camp and they came home so excited and told their mom, we did this, we played this game, we were so happy about that, they told us this and keep talking and talking. So she decided, I probably should go to local church because everything what we do, we try to do through local churches. And she like, I probably should come to local church and just gonna say thank you. So she did and she became a member of this church and now whole family goes to church. Again, you touch one life, but God is doing much, much more. Like this girl, Lisa, she has such a beautiful voice. She's been in one of our camp and uh, she just fell in love with Jesus. She didn't wanna leave church at all. She, uh, there is no any church in her city. So she's taking public transportation by herself to come from one city to another city. Like she would never skip church service. And she's so excited about this. And recently she came to our pastor and said, uh, is it any way I can lead a worship one day? And he like, uh, it's not something what we do, but let's try. So her mom found out that she's going to be on the stage. She decided to come to church as well, and now she's a member of our church. Like, God is doing much more than we even can imagine or can think about. And at the end of camp, we usually write notes to children, and they wrote some letters to us. And one of my favorites said, Thank you a lot. Because of you, I found God, opened up to him, and found new, new friends. What else you can like, be more, more happy than kids have found God and opened up to him? And I remember one evening I was sitting on a balcony. It was during one of our summer camps, and most kids already were in bed, and uh, about 15 years old girl came to me and we talked. And this was very long, deep conversation, but mostly she was saying, uh, of course you will be praising your God, of course you will be so happy, you have nice husband, you have healthy kids, you got a really nice education, you have so many friends around, you do what you love to do, of course you would be happy and talk about God. But what about me? I'm going to leave my orphanage soon, and uh, I don't have any skills, I don't have any support outside, as most of my friends, I will be just on the street because no one really going to hire me. And it was a point for us when we came to idea we have to do something with this girl. And right now we have a bakery project, we call it bakery project, where girls uh, graduate from the orphanage or let's say Roma girls who didn't get education at all. So we teach them how to bake bread and very tasty pastry, cookies and stuff like this. It's amazing if you would ever be able to try. They're doing like really good. They and can try it. <laughs> Next summer, 
On a trip, you can try it yourself. It's very true. This one girl, they actually sell it to make some income for them. And one of my favorite students, I don't know if I'm allowed to say favorite, <laughs> but I just love her so much. When she became part, uh, came to our project, she was so closed up. She would never talk or smile. Uh, she, most of all, uh, most of her time, she was just look on the floor and never raise her eyes. And her mom left her at maternity hospital. Then they moved her to the orphanage. And after three years old, they, after she became a three years old, they moved her to another one and then to the next. So by the time she graduated orphanage, she, be, she got a clear understanding that her life was nothing. She's just one of the thousand kids in Ukraine who became of this, part of this system. Orphanage, another orphanage, crime, prison, human trafficking, prostitution, and stuff like this. And seeing her, how she go through this project, became more confident, start smile, look at your eyes, and having fresh baked uh, bread in her hands, she would say, I never realized that I can do something for other people. And this is what I like a lot about CERN now. It's not only helping people, but let them get this experience that they can do something for other people. And as Trent said, we also have, for refugee women, we also have a cosmetology classes. We teach them how to do hair, nails. And right now we set up their own beauty salon and able to provide income for themselves and take care of their families as well. And one of our great opportunities, what got open to us, uh, every year we get some humanitarian aid from Sweden, and it's mostly uh, medical equipment, medic, uh, hospital beds and stuff like this, but also we get a lot of wheelchair, which is like such a great need in Ukraine, because our government don't provide any wheelchairs for handicapped people. So most of them, they had to stay at home, and even like during, uh, during Soviet Union time, our leaders used to say there is no handicapped people in Soviet Union. But the only reason why they said it, because no one saw these people. They are not able to go out. Usually we would send them to the orphanage like far, far, far away from the society so one, no one really knows what's going on in their life. So, and Uliana, she got electrical wheelchair. She got so happy about this. She said, I saw this type of wheelchair only, only in a movie and now I have one and it's not about wheelchair. Now I'm able to go and do to the grocery store and buy food what I want anytime when I want. And one of cool things what she is doing every day, she bring food for handicapped people like she, so able to help them. And her husband, he's also a handicapped uh, person. He is so clever with computer stuff, websites and stuff like this. So after he got his wheelchair, we invite him to be our teacher for medical media school. So he teach non-profit organization how to do website, how to work with advertisement, how to work with computer program and stuff like this. He, now he knows I can do something for other people. He's like, again, it's not only wheelchair what you can use, break through way, it's 
chance to have a totally different life, to, be to communicate with other people, to be involved in society, and see it absolutely from different perspective. And I'm so, so happy about this. And while I've been here in the US, my husband, he was still distributed with wheelchair, and he met with Sergey, who about 12 years ago, he, uh, it's happened car accident. So both of his legs doesn't work. And I, as I said, that government doesn't provide any wheelchair for this type of people. And he said, I never were able, was able to buy any wheelchair because it's cost a lot of money in Ukraine. So he created just by himself something, what he calls wheelchair, to help him move around. Can you imagine how he was happy to get a new one? And Andre said, we spent such a good time together, we talked together, and uh, Andre was ready to leave, sat in his car, but with uh, Sergei, he just waving and like, thank you, thank you, спасибо, спасибо, which means thank you in Russian. He just could not stop, he was so thankful, because now he get opportunity to see his life differently. And uh, last project, what I would like to share a little bit more, we call Christmas gift distribution. We got uh, 6,500 6, gifts uh, from Scotland, and we distribute these gifts not only for kids, but for adults as well. We went to the elderly house, uh, we call it elderly orphanage, but mainly, uh, Lena, who is 45 years old, she spent 17 years in the orphanage for handicapped children, and when she turned 18 years old, they moved her to the elderly house, because there is nothing between children's orphanage and elderly orphanage. So she kind of had to stay with elderly people all her life without not going anywhere. Can you imagine she opened her gift, first gift in her life, and she said, Wow, this is my personal shampoo, this is my personal soap. And the reason why she's saying this way, because everything in this orphanage belongs to the orphanage. They don't have any their personal items. For example, if they will do laundry, they will take stuff from you, from you, from you, put it together, do laundry, and after they're done, they just, it's for you, it's for you. Like, doesn't matter if it fits you or not, it could be absolutely different clothes, but it just not belong to, to them. Whatever they get, they get. So she would get so excited about, this is my stuff. And next family, we also uh, do some ministry for Roma gypsy people. Can you imagine, no one in this family can read or write. Another family, Miroslava, who is 19 years old, she already has her three children. She's trying to raise them by herself. When they open their gifts, she just starts crying and said, I never in my life bought any kind of toys to my children. It's expensive for me. But now they got a lot of gifts and sweets and whatever kids could wish to have. And Another just a great story. Can you imagine single mom who raised three children by herself and two of them has cerebral palsy, CP. They would never go outside. They were so happy that Christmas came into their place as well. And girl, she was so excited, excited about, how do you call it? 
Shuruli. Yeah, she just gets so, like she's still a girl, she's about like 14, 15 years old, but she gets so excited about fees. And my uh, favorite story about Kola, who is often by himself, uh, he lives with grandmom in very, very poor condition. And can you imagine, uh, 6,500 gifts came to Ukraine, sent to 22 different locations. And one of church got 300 gifts. So they called to Kola and invited him for some church event and gave him just first gift. He opened up and T-shirt and uh, trousers. It was like perfectly fit him. And it's like God saying, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly, like I can take care of you. So it's just kind of things or stories happen. Uh, so yeah. aren't there some amazing stories of, of life change in Ukraine and of what God is doing through Tanya, her husband, and, and serve now in that ministry? Um, so Tanya, would you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, yeah, well, t- tell us about your story. How did you grow up, and then how did you become a Christ follower? Uh, both of my parents grew up in the orphanage, and it was during Soviet Union time. And uh, after Soviet Union collapse, uh, a lot of people, including my mom, we kind of lost sense of, to live because everything what we believed, now it's collapsed. So it was a very difficult time in our family. We both started to use alcohol a lot and my parents divorced. My mom took me and my younger brother and we moved out of Russia to Crimea. And the reason why we moved there, only because her orphanage was there. So we didn't have any support. She had a very difficult time to find a job. And we would eat only like two, three times per week. Sometimes uh, me and my brother would just collect snails, boil them. And if you chew a snail for about 40 minutes, it gives you a feeling that you're not so hungry. Like I know it for sure how it works. And going through all of this, sometimes we would just sleep on the beach just because we didn't have place to stay. I remember when uh, they took us to school for the first time, uh, they didn't accept us. They said, oh, so, you're so dirty, you don't have right documents. They didn't accept us even to school at first. And I remember I was laying on the beach and crying because it was exactly a time when I met Jesus when I became to follow him and dedicate my life. And from my experience, I know that children can dedicate their life very serious when they're like 10, 11, 12 years old. And my prayer mostly was like, God, if you can do anything with my life, if you can take it and use it for good for other people, I would be more than happy. And just small things that happen in my life. One lady, she would, every Sunday, she would come to church and bring some sandwich to me and my younger brother. Another, my friend, she would bring, she always share winter shoes with me. And not because she had another one, but in the morning I would take her winter shoes, go to school, then come back to her so she have them and she can go and do her stuff. My pastor, he always was like, Tanya, you're good, everything will be okay. Another person, he just hired me, so I was able to pay for my education. It's like small things that people done around me. And 
all these people wasn't like famous people or rich people, they were just ordinary people and doing small things, but it was a great impact on my life. I'm very, very thankful. Wow. So he took you from that and you met Jesus uh, as a young girl and uh, started to grow your faith and then just saw God opening door after door after door and God doing amazing and things. And I just so, so, so thankful to God to be part of this ministry. So um, you may not know, but she just recently finished her MBA. Isn't that pretty cool? Um, and it does an amazing job of leading Serve Now in Ukraine. And I would love for you to go see it firsthand next summer with me. Uh, so tonight, we're going to have an informational meeting uh, over at our offices. And our offices are at Palm Coast Community Church. We rent office space from them. So if you know where that uh, facility is, just go to where they have their main services and we'll meet you there. At seven o'clock, you'll have a chance to get to know Tanya a little bit more, hear a little bit more about the camp, what specifically we will be doing at the camp. And uh, we will have the information meeting next week in our uh, teacher's lounge over here after the services, but you will miss out on spending time with this lovely lady. So I invite you to come tonight at seven o'clock and spend some time with her. So... Um, Tanya, uh, we want to wrap up by praying for you, and then I would like you to pray for us. And this is going to be super special because she's going to pray for you in Russian, and I'm going to translate. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not, all right? You got to translate on your own, all right? Um, but I understand that you're going through an adoption process. Yeah, right now our family, going, we are going to adopt one child. So and it takes all paperwork. It seems like it will take forever. So I would like ask you to pray and for God miracles. It would happen as soon as possible. Absolutely. Well, we'll do that. So would you join us in prayer? So God, what an incredible privilege it is uh, for us to have Tanya here. Just so excited that when we're part of the body of Christ, no matter where we are around the world, we can be brothers and sisters because of you. And so, Lord, we're grateful to have her part of our church family, and we're grateful to be a part of her family. And, Lord, we pray for her and her family as they're walking through this adoption process. Lord, I know there can be all kinds of things that have to be done and doors that seem closed and red tape that's got to be worked through. And, Lord, I pray that you would open those doors. I pray that you would make it possible for this adoption to happen quickly and smoothly as they welcome a new member into their family. And God, I pray for serve now. Uh, I pray that you would do infinitely more than we can ask or think in them and through them as they reach Ukraine for you. Lord, it's just so great to be a part of a, a body of Christ that cares not only about our community, but cares about the world. And again, thank you for Tanya coming to share her stories with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Дорогой Господь, я очень сильно благодарю Тебя за эту возможность быть здесь. Благодарю Тебя за этих людей, которые служат Тебе, любят Тебя, восхищаются Тобой. Я прошу о том, чтобы Твоя милость и благодать сопровождала их во всех делах. Ты знаешь их семьи. Я молюсь об устройстве, о Твоей милости для них. Amen. 
So Tanya is going to be right over here at a table on your way out, and she'll be there with another Serve Now staff member. His name is Paul. Um, so they'll be there after the service. I encourage you to stop by, pick up some of their material, uh, thank them for coming, thank her for coming, and have a great rest of your Sunday. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>